our purpose is supporting this community. We are public-minded, and we're here to help make this a better place for us all to live. Hi there, this is Lisa Gonzalez from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Will Acock, General Manager of Greenlight Community Broadband, visits us this week. Greenlight is located in Wilson, North Carolina, and has been offering fiber-to-the-home services since 2008. Residents appreciate the triple play from a local community provider. Businesses and government have come to rely on Greenlight's affordable and reliable services. Fortunately, community leaders recognized years ago that a fiber optic network was quickly becoming, like any other necessary utility, the network has directly attracted and retained new industry. Likewise, highly skilled talent continued to move to Wilson for a network that outshines those available in most urban areas. Will shares some success stories with us and emphasizes Greenlight's core goal, to improve the quality of life in Wilson. Wilson's another local community that continues to reap the rewards that flow from this community-minded approach. Here are Will and Chris. Welcome to another Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Chris Mitchell, and I'm here today with Will Acock, the General Manager of Greenlight in Wilson, North Carolina. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm pleased to be here. Um, I love talking about uh, Wilson. Uh, you're actually one of the first municipal networks that I ever visited. It was uh, before Greenlight even started. I was maybe nine months into working on this, uh, working with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and I was at a conference near Raleigh, and I went up to Greenlight and took a tour of what you were doing and learned a lot about it. So um, I'm really excited to be talking about it now six years later. Yeah, it's uh, amazing that that much time has passed. Yes, indeed. Um, so can you start by telling us a little bit about uh, the Wilson and then the region that you're in? Sure. Uh, Wilson is a city of about 50,000 folks uh, just east of the Triangle in North Carolina, uh, actually located right along I-95. Uh, our sort of back story is that we were once uh, the world's greatest tobacco market. Uh, and as time has evolved, we've now been able to recruit new businesses. Uh, uh, and we've evolved to have manufacturing, pharmaceuticals, banking, among other things. And, of course, uh, we are North Carolina's first gigabit city, uh, which is something we're quite proud of. And I must also mention that uh, we are the home to very famous folk artist, Bala Simpson, and uh, we're going to be having a new Whirligig Park. Uh, Whirligigs are his particular type of folk art. It's going to be opening up in our downtown in the near future, and so that's something else uh, we're very excited about here in our community. That's terrific. And um, just to make sure people are aware, you're, uh, you're part of a city-owned utility. Uh, what services does the utility provide in addition to the uh, Internet? Uh, yes. Well, we uh, are a triple play provider ourselves, so Internet, video, and voice services. We also provide electric uh, and natural gas services. And the city also provides water uh, and stormwater and sanitary sewer service. So let's uh, step back to that period of time before even I came to Wilson for the first time and had some of the best pulled pork I'll probably ever have. Um, and uh, why did you decide or why did the city decide that this would be an, uh, an important investment? Right. Well, our council uh, is very interested in infrastructure and making sure that our community has access to all the critical infrastructure we need to continue to be healthy and grow. Uh, and much like the decision to uh, build a, a water reservoir, our Buckhorn Reservoir, the decision to build the fiber network was similar. It was a, an asset, an infrastructure that our leadership felt we needed uh, to maintain the health of the community. And I think that really drove a lot of the decision-making to move forward with this project. 
and the uh, the reservoir was uh, that was one of those that was a very major project. Actually, we wrote about that in the report that uh, Todd O'Boyle and I did on Wilson. And um, you know, could you just give us a thirty second synopsis on how that's helped the city? Sure, absolutely. Uh, the reservoir was completed, I believe, back in '99, and for extended periods of time since then, much of the state of North Carolina has been in drought conditions. And the city of Wilson has been in the fortunate situation of having a plentiful water supply uh, during most all of those, or I believe all of those drought periods, so much so that we actually were able to help some of the other uh, cities around us um, in order to maintain their water supply during those drought periods. So it's been a a really a wise decision that's benefited our community. I appreciate you digging into that because – I think it's important for people to know that a lot of the communities that build these networks already have a history of making smart investments, and uh, it's something that uh, should be both respected and and we would never encourage a community that is not um, making good decisions to embark on this very difficult industry. Uh, so I just like to point that out. Um, yeah, I guess the the lesson in particular would be that you should have a, a good local government as a first step. <laughs> Right. Yes, we're very blessed by that uh, by our leadership here in this community. So, once you decided to move forward with the uh, municipal network, the the fiber network, um, what were some of the key steps you had to go through? Well, you know, certainly uh, the first thing was just the the construction of the network, uh, which began in I believe late 2006, early 2007, and so we initially built the backbone. Um, that interconnected initially all the city facilities and served as the backbone for the eventual uh, community-wide network. Uh, once we had constructed the backbone, we actually had to you know, roll the network out across the community, uh, beginning to run down every street, pass every address here in our in our community. Uh, simultaneous to that, obviously, we had to set up all the electronics, uh, all the the things in the head end that provide the signal that goes down the, the fiber cable. Uh, and then, of course, train our staff uh, and develop the process, procedure, and workforce knowledge required to, to support such an endeavor as this. So it was certainly a, a very busy uh, and uh, very busy time and quite a learning experience for all of us going through all that. So you were the first to do 100 megabits in the state. Uh, and like you said, you're the first to do a gig as well. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that has uh, been noticed? Has, uh, has it changed who's wanted to live in your town or do business there? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, we have seen quite a few people who have moved here, uh, both from other parts of the state and other parts of the country, explicitly because of the fiber optic network and the speeds that are available uh, certainly, you know, a high-speed, high-capacity network from the perspective of downloading content is something that is of interest to many people and a, a critical part of modern life. But I think a, an often overlooked aspect of it is the upload speed. You know, how how much bandwidth do I have available to uh, share things back out with other folks? And that's been, I think, probably one of the big driving factors. We're seeing people move here particularly creative class individuals, uh, folks who may uh, run some type of design business out of their home, uh, graphic artists, uh, special effects uh, people who may be engaged in the movie industry, wanting to be in a location where they have access to these high bandwidth networks, in particular high bandwidth upload, because what it does is allow them to share their creative products much more quickly and efficiently with the rest of the world and it's really important as we move into sort of this new economy uh, and the new way of doing business where it's not just 
taking a look at what's already out there on the web, but actually creating new things and sharing them with others. Uh, we've spoken with one customer who does a lot of business with people out in California and both uh, end up in New York. And before they moved to Wilton, so that they often felt as though they were the ones holding up the process in collaboration and design. Uh, now that they've moved here, it's actually flipped that around so that the connectivity available in some of these other major areas is actually slower than what they have here and has been met with sort of an incredulous you know, question of where are you? What are you? How are you able to you know, transfer this, this data in this way? Uh, so it's definitely having an impact. Uh, we've even got an employee who moved here from one of the larger communities in the state uh, because of the network. And they, this employee had been doing uh, independent web development work uh, before coming to work for us. So he moved here to take advantage of the network. And one day he called in to ask a question in our uh, support center. And after working through the question, said sort of jokingly, hey, you guys aren't hiring, are you? And uh, <laughs> we said, well, perhaps. Let's we'll talk a little bit more about what you know how to do. And of course, found out what his skills were. And it turned out we did have a, a position open. And he came in and interviewed and ended up being the best candidate. Um, so not only are we you know, bringing folks to town, we've actually benefited from the skills that we're bringing to town within our own organization, uh, which has been a tremendous uh, asset, I believe. One of the questions that I often have from people is how a town that builds its own network can attract the kind of workforce that is necessary uh, to operate the network. And it sounds like, you know, you're so advanced that you're just attracting some of the best and the brightest that are really excited to work for you. Uh, you know, has, has that been the experience? Yeah, that actually has been our experience. Uh, you know, what we have found is that you know, there's no shortage of people who want to be involved in cutting-edge networks and building and deploying these types of things. And the other thing that is really beneficial from that perspective is, is our purpose is supporting this community. We are public-minded, and we're here to help make this a better place for us all to live. And I think that ethic also is appealing to folks, and that helps us to not just attract people because of the technology, but also because of what our purpose is here. Once our leadership established the fact that broadband uh, and next-generation high-capacity broadband was a critical critical infrastructure. Now they established really three missions or goals for this network, and those were to support the economic health of Wilson, uh, enhance the quality of life for our citizens, and improve the delivery of, of the city services to help us as a government to, to be more efficient and to improve the way we're delivering all the things we deliver to our citizens on a daily basis. And so... Those are, are some of the reasons that we exist. Why don't we go into some of the ways that the city services have been improved by having this network? So, you know, one simple example is that we now have a great deal of flexibility being able to deploy a variety of different types of, of sensors across our community to bring back valid information to help us manage in a more efficient and intelligent fashion a very... Uh, Easy to understand example is simply putting out surveillance cameras and moving them around quickly. If there are things going on in the community and we need to be able to uh, observe remotely what's going on in a particular location, because of the community-wide network, it's very easy for us to go out and establish uh, you know, video cameras and put them anywhere in the community, bring those back into our centralized call center where we have people uh, working 24 by 7, and to help you know, maybe police 
or fire or anyone in the other utilities to monitor something going on out uh, in the real world. Uh, we also have been able to partner with our public safety folks to create an emergency command trailer that we can actually pull out anytime and connect the trailer to the fiber optic network, giving the public safety folks dealing with some type of event out in the real world directly to the fiber backbone, which allows them to have you know, high bandwidth connectivity to all the tools and resources that they need as they're out on scene anywhere in our community dealing with some type of uh, an event. And that's something that's been very beneficial to our public safety folks. Uh, we're also supporting uh, distance learning uh, for our fire department. You know, you want to keep those firefighters in the stations uh, in the districts that they're serving, but they also have a need to continue to uh, do professional develop development and have online training. So because of this high bandwidth network, they're actually able to have a centralized trainer in one station training the on-duty personnel in the other stations, but still keeping that presence local. And I should also touch on Smart Grid, uh, you know, using the fiber network to connect to all the the various assets in the field that help provide our other utility services and to manage those more effectively and more efficiently. And how have the schools or the education system in general uh, benefited? I, I seem to recall that you connect not only the schools in town, but you've actually expanded your network into the, the county to bring that benefit out beyond your uh, immediate city borders. That's correct. We've been able to uh, to build fiber, a fiber backbone ring to interconnect all the uh, school sites in Wilson County and uh, the school systems using that publicly owned backbone to you know communicate between their primary data center facility and all those campus sites. Uh, we also have been able to interconnect our community broadband network with the middle mile network built by MCNC and through that interconnection and that partnership have been able to bring uh, basically a much lower cost uh, internet service to the school system uh, through really MCNCs delivering that service to them, giving them access to essentially whatever bandwidth they need to support their internal operations while also reducing their operational cost. And then, of course, because all the other campus uh, sites are interconnected with the community network, it allows distribution of that, that bandwidth from the middle mile network out to all the campus locations. Right. I think a lot of times people think of Internet access as, as one thing, and it may be the only thing in telecommunications, but a lot of times schools need those connections between facilities even more um, to do, uh, they need those connections to be even higher capacity. Right, because, you know, you might be sharing, and, and this is true really with any organization, you know, there are certain things you're doing out on the Internet, and you need to have bandwidth for that, but then between sites uh, inside of an organization, you know, there's certainly lots of data sharing and transmission of information that goes on, and having access to high bandwidth networks for those purposes is definitely important. These kinds of networks have benefits to so many different parts of the community. And the benefit of being able to lower pressure on school budgets and providing that high-quality service now and then in the future, right? Because presumably you're going to be going from 1 gig circuits to 10 gigs to who knows what. Right. And you're, yeah. you're not going to go and jack their rates through the roof. You're going to be a, a good partner to them. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing that I wanted to ask you about was, um, you know, we talked about people moving into town, but the the businesses. Uh, and I believe when you and I spoke about a year or two ago, you had been connecting um, some of the key businesses and never even had an outage in four years at that time, I think. So some of our major employers uh, were definitely amongst the very first 
to be connected to the network and take advantage of the services. And we actually have uh, large commercial customers who've been up and working without outage uh, for more than five years now. That's that's quite a track record. Uh, it's definitely something we're proud of, and you know we work very hard to to maintain. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show, Will. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. We have a long list of stories about Wilson on muninetworks.org. We also published a case study on the network in December 2012. If you want to read more about Wilson's struggle as a target of national cable and DSL companies and the ensuing battle in the state legislature, be sure to download our case study published in January 2013. Both publications are accessible from the Wilson tag on muninetworks.org. Thanks again for listening to the Broadband Bits podcast. If there are issues related to telecommunications that have your interest, we welcome your suggestions for future shows. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Community Nets. This show was released on October 29, 2013. Thank you to the group Mudhoney for their song, The Neutral, licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.